with Feel Good Music by Day, relaxing music by night. This is Inspire Radio. Be happy, be inspired. Welcome to the Inspire Radio podcast. This podcast is an opportunity to listen again to one of the many inspirational and thought-provoking interviews first broadcast on Inspire Radio. Inspire Radio brings you inspirational interviews, news of events, workshops and seminars, plus great music too. Online, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, Inspire Radio is your truly feel-good radio station. For more information and to listen to Inspire Radio, why don't you check out inspireradio.co.uk. Check out our Facebook page too, where we've got details of events on there. Our Facebook page is at Inspire Radio UK. Now sit back and enjoy this Inspire Radio podcast. With inspirational guests from across the world, this is Inspire Radio. Hello and welcome to Inspired Conversations with me, Ruth Owen. Today, my guest is a very special person who is actually the first person in history to have walked to both poles. His name is Robert Swan, OBE and Fellow of the Royal Geographical Society. Rob, thank you. You're joining me from California. How are you? I'm very well and um, warming up nicely after our recent foray to the South Geographic Pole. So it's great to be home in lovely California weather. Wonderful. Now, Rob, the trip didn't go exactly according to plan, did it, the last ex- expedition? What happened? Well, I think it's, uh, it's a very long story, Ruth, and uh, I'm proud to have known you for the majority of that story, actually, that uh, I had a dream when I was 11 to become the first person to walk to the North and South Poles. And when I was researching all of that as a kid with old maps and everything, I looked at this this guy called Ernest Shackleton, a fantastic explorer from my country, the UK. And he'd had this dream in 1914 to cross the whole of Antarctica from one coast to the other. And when I was researching all of this, I found his story extraordinary because he never actually got to start that journey because his ship, the Endurance, was crushed by ice and sunk. So that was all a dream that lurked in the back of my rather demented mind. And once I'd walked to both poles, I can guarantee you uh, 30 years ago that uh, I was never going to walk anywhere ever again, ever. This was the plan. However, my son, Barney, who was 21 at the time, actually, said to me, Dad, I would really like to make a journey to the South Pole. And to cut a very long story short, much as there was, I was underwhelmed by the idea, I agreed to join him. But in the back of my mind, I thought, hang on a minute. If we make this journey together and we go from the other side of Antarctica than I'd gone before 30 years before, I, I would have crossed the Antarctic continent and lived my dream and completed a mission that uh, Shackleton was unable to do because he lost his ship. And that story was started two years ago, and Barney and I uh, and a couple of great people attempted this 600-mile journey to the South Pole. And After 300 miles on foot, uh, my left hip started to disintegrate entirely and I couldn't sleep and I was holding the team up. So a couple of years ago, I had to come out and vowed that I would get a new hip 
and I would go back and finish that last 300 miles to the pole. Oh, and right. I, I get the, the name now. The, the, the last, the the, the last yeah. 300. Yeah. And uh, we started the journey uh, on December the 1st last year. Yeah. And things were going extremely well. And I was only 40 miles, can you believe it, after 33 years of trying three big expeditions, 40 miles away from the finish of yeah. crossing the Antarctic. And my hip, the new brand new hip, which had done so well, blew out of its socket. And I was completely crippled by this. I couldn't stand oh, up and had to come back home and uh, missed the journey by 40 miles. And I'm back, the hip's back in place. And I'm going back next year to complete that 40 miles to the pole. It, it, it's just too near. I can't not do that. But it was hugely disappointing, very sad. But I think in life, you know, we all take knocks. And I've been beaten back twice now by Antarctica. It's a mighty place, Ruth, as you know. It certainly is, Rob. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm going to go back and finish that journey next year. So I'm healing up. All is good, uh, but uh, it has been quite disappointing. And I have to say, I don't think you've ever heard me say this, it was actually really painful. I have to say it was very painful. Wow. Well, y- you are probably one of the most extraordinary people I've ever met. And, and I, as you say, we go back a long way, Rob. <laughs> I was just working it out. We've known each other for nearly 32 years, which is an awfully long time. And I can't imagine that, I know you're a couple of years older than me, but even so, it's quite a daunting prospect to undertake anything as life-threatening as you do. And given the fact that you have suffered quite significantly at the hands of Antarctica and all these expeditions uh, through frozen wastelands one way or another, to be contemplating going back again in your 60s now, it's uh, quite something. Are you sure you... (laughs) You're up for it. Yes, I am. I think that what's important in life is that, uh, and we'll get on to that, is that what is one asking other people to do, Ruth? Mm. And I've been working, as you know, for over 30 years, for as long as I've known you, on trying to inspire people that we really are in a survival situation here on planet Earth. And I see it in the great ice caps where I visit. And if I'm asking people to take small steps to change their lives, to start to think about sustainability in a positive way, then surely if I say I'm going to do something, I've got to do it. So yeah, I'm going back and I will finish that journey and with respect to Antarctica it let me through a few times and it's beat me back a couple of times but I think it's important to do in life what you say you're going to do and obviously uh, with today's technology and radios and communication I'm not going to die Uh, 30 years ago I would have died Mm. that had happened to me but now with technology I'm safe it'll be hard but do what you say you're going to do I think is a really important thing in a world full increasingly of empty words absolutely and tell me the world has changed a lot in the last 30 years and you have been concentrating on this message for a long long time now that we have to take care of Antarctica that we have to take care of the environment you set up your 20 41 mission to save Antarctica from exploitation when the Atlantic Treaty runs out in 2041 and your 20 
1941.com website highlights all these trips that you've organized. So tell me about inspiring young people in particular. Why have you been so keen to involve young people on your trips to Antarctica? Well, I think, um, Ruth, and you've been with us and you were absolutely fantastic. And I hope you enjoyed visiting the only place in the world that we all own. And it's called Antarctica. It's the last true great wilderness left on Earth. And as Jacques Cousteau, my patron, uh, Sir Peter Scott, son of Captain Scott, founder of the WWF, these great gentlemen who are no longer with us, said to me, Rob, you must inspire people to have the sense to leave one place alone on Earth forever. And we have that chance. Now, what's been extraordinary, or, you know, I've taken, as you know, thousands of young people from all over the world to become champions. I think we're at 85 nations so far. to become champions to preserve Antarctica. And that's fantastic. And we've done some great work in that direction. But what's been interesting since I've been doing this is that at last, at last, people are standing up and saying that enough's enough with climate strikes, extinction rallies, all these things. Young people have woken up Mm. in, in quite a short period, I might say, to this issue more than they ever have. And the issue is survival on Earth. It's not just the preservation of Antarctica. But what is concerning me hugely at the moment, and that's why I'm willing to go and walk these last miles to the pole and try my best with you know, a beaten up body and all the rest of it. Why? Why, why, why? I'll tell you why. It's because this whole movement that's happening at the moment is quite rightly based on anger, frustration, criticism, negativity. Rarely you hear coming through these climate strikes and extinction rallies and all these people standing up. Rarely do you hear the word solution yes. and that we can't afford that because this is a fantastic movement but somehow we have to tag on this word solution so when people are angry frustrated criticizing saying that governments are wrong that corporates are wrong that there's no trust left in our world great but what's got to be on the end of that is saying okay this is what we can do on a daily basis and it doesn't matter whether we're rich people poor people students business owners housewives, husband, wives, whatever it is, we need to have solutions. Working with my son, Barney, who uh, made the full journey to the South Pole a couple of years ago when I was beaten back for the first time, he, he made that journey and Barney has a, an excellent organisation, his own campaign called Climate Force. And people can look at that on Climate force.com and Barney's just saying, hey, here are five things that we can do, easy things that people can do because we can't afford Ruth. You and I have seen all kinds of things in our lives where things have got lost through people being angry and negative. You know, no marriage survives on anger and negativity. No company survives on anger and negativity. Our planet cannot survive with anger and negativity. Maybe people need to shake people up by being angry and upset. But that's got to translate into solutions. So we, we're all about saying, hey, yeah, let's preserve Antarctica long term. But in the meantime, here are five things that you can do at home today, click of a mouse, get on with it. So that's the reason. And to be really, really blunt, 
young people today, which I'm sounding like my father, young people today, but young people today are only really in a world over dominated by all kinds of information coming at them from all sides too much. But what they're lacking is inspiration. And in our own small way, Barney and I, you know, me, the old warrior cranking out again to walk with a broken hip, a busted spine, bad knees, no brain left, that captures young people's attention. It does. Yes. In a world just over-dominated by all kinds of unreality. Kids look at me or young people look at me and say, well, that guy's definitely mad, but he's bloody doing it. And that is why we continue in the way. So, yeah, the old warriors out there crunching out the miles to the pole and not giving up. And Barney, the young champion, is saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once we've got people's attention, this is what you can do. And that is what survival's all about. I have never survived doing anything, Ruth, by being negative. I've always tried, and that's why I'm speaking to you this morning. I'm so proud of your radio station with the team, that inspiration and hope is the only way through if you're in a tight spot. And trust me, our world is in a tight spot. Yeah, it's about not only inspiration, but but giving people hope with the added notion that we have to have faith. We have to have faith in humanity. We have to have faith that people will wake up in sufficient numbers to actually make a difference. And we've seen it in the last 12 months with Greta Thunberg, you know, this extraordinary 16-year-old, 17-year-old, motivating young people. Yes, they're angry, but when I came on the Southern Quest and we went to Antarctica in 2016, I was absolutely blown away by the positivity on that ship with the people primarily from India. And there was one guy who organised, whilst he was on the ship, he had organised for a million people in India to hold hands in an effort to highlight how they should save water. And I'm thinking, this is incredible. These people are doing amazing things. So the fact that you have inspired people to do these kind of things is only a ripple effect. It's causing lots of good things to happen. So apart from schlepping it yet again and your, on your last mission, last 40 miles, what is beyond that for Robert Swan? What are you planning to do to keep people motivated? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, what, what really matters is that, as you know, Ruth, I am not an environmentalist because I don't really know much about it and I'm not actually even an Antarctic expert there's lots of people that know more about Antarctica than I'll ever know but what I am is a damn good survivor I'm pretty good at staying alive and I think I've shown that a few times in my life you certainly have and a good survivor in this world doesn't look at problems and say it's somebody else's problem you know as I've said before one of the greatest threats to our survival on this planet is the belief that somebody else is going to sort it out. It's down to us. And really, the future for me is not here. It's not in sunny California. It's not in rainy Barnard Castle, County Durham, where my mum, I might say, is still going strong, Ruth. Is she really so amazing? 104 (laughs) uh, and a half um, and going strong. But it's not the battleground of the future of our survival on Earth. It's not here. It's in China, it's in India, it's in Indonesia, it's in Korea. That is the the next empire on earth. You know, right now, there used to be something, I'm sure you might remember it, called the British Empire. It's Mm. now gone. Mm. You know, we're now 
quite sad, really, uh, as a nation. But we used to have an empire that the sun never set on. It's gone. Now there is an American empire, and that's starting to fade. The next empire on Earth is China, India, and Asia. They are going to dominate our planet financially in every way at all. Like we used to dominate the planet, America now dominates the planet. That's where the action is now. If you think that when my mum was born, there was only 1.8 billion people on the planet in 1915. Now there are 1.4 billion people in India. So that's where it's going to happen. And my job with my son Barney and I, and we're starting to move there, we're going to go and live there, is to inspire young people in Asia and young people who will inherit the power on Earth. So we're trying to get to young people you know, who, who will be running Samsung, who will be running Huawei, who will be running these enormous corporations that will run our planet and trying to inspire them to put sustainability onto their agenda and to feel that it's something positive towards good business to have it in their lives that spending, that being rich, crazy Asians, as the film portrays, is not possibly the way forward. So Barney and I are now moving into a battleground of trying to inspire young people in Asia, not only just to protect Antarctica, but to put sustainability in a positive way on their list of things to consider in life and their future business. Because if we don't, quite honestly, it does not matter what we do in the UK, in South Africa, not really even anymore in Europe or the USA. Matters is what happens with energy, consumption, materials, all those things, what happens in Asia. So that's the future for Barney and I, and that's where we're beginning to set up camp, do our very, very best in that area, because if we don't, it won't matter what we do here. Well, with that, we'll take a short break, and we'll back in a little while after some inspiring music. With inspirational guests from across the world, this is Inspire Radio. Welcome back to Inspired Conversations with me, Ruth Owen. I'm talking to Robert Swan, the first man in history to walk to both poles. So, Rob, you were talking about moving to India with your son to inspire and guide the young people there to walk a more environmentally friendly journey through life um, because they are the leaders of the world that is coming, as you said. But do you think that the responsibility for change lies with individuals or should we look more to governments? Are they doing enough? Are they acting quickly enough? Or is it up to corporations to take that responsibility upon themselves and to provide something that is a service to humanity because they are recognising that they have to be socially aware and environmentally responsible? I think that, that everything, you know, in a survival situation, it's got to happen all at once. So as I said earlier, you know, we can't afford five years of negativity with people criticising. We have to move this forward in a positive way. Now, I think it really starts with ourselves. You know, the environmental sustainability movement uh, has been fairly active for the last 30 years in, if you like, you know, Europe, the United States of America, the developed nations, 
on our planet. And sadly, it hasn't really been a success because we're still battling with it and people really aren't joining the dots and it's been too slow. So I think that what one's got to say is in order to do the right thing in Asia, you've first got to get to the people, to the young people, and have one thing in mind, which is something that a lot of people don't think about enough, and that's that you can't ask developing nations to be saying, okay, yeah, we've all got to be green and we've all got to be doing this, when possibly people don't have any food to eat. So if you've got no food to eat, you're not going to give a hell about the environment. You're just going to try and get something to eat and look after your family. So I think that in places like India, you saw the type of inspired young people that exist in India, that you've got to be saying, okay, it's to do with your future, your life. How are you going to run your life? And it's to do with focusing, and I'm not being wrong in saying this, I believe, on those people who have the ability to change in a country like India and China. Obviously, in India, there's 1.4 billion, 900 million of those people have nothing. But it's the 500 million who do have something and possibly could make changes. So it's a huge challenge Mm. to not be telling people what to do because that doesn't work. You can't tell people not to have what you and I and probably most people listening have. The iPhone, the the refrigerator, the car to travel by. You can't say to people don't have what we have. What you've got to try and do is to get people to have what we have but not make as much of an impact and create as much damage as we've made getting what we have and to continue to get what we have and to continue to abuse our world as we all do with our energy and everything else so it's a huge battle and I'm not too sure whether it's a battle that we can win but we've got to give it a go We've got to give it a go because I do believe long term that if things which they will get much worse it's already happening look at the fires, look at all the, you know, it's always, it's all happening. But I hope that our world will respond possibly faster and better when all of us get hit in the teeth more. Moments like when you see those forest fires and things in Australia closing in on a town or a city, that's the type of thing where people start to think, hang on a minute, our world is not going to be destroyed. It's our participation on this planet that's in question. The planet's going to be fine. It'll survive. But can we? And those are issues that gradually will become more and more of a global issue and governments will respond because people will be hard-pressed. What we have to do now is to make sure that we're doing as much as we can before, if you like, the pressure comes on us as a planet that we've done enough to make sure that when we do all act as one planet, as one government, as the United Nations, that we've done enough to survive. It's a very, very complicated situation. And I think all of it, Ruth, starts with us as personal people. It's what we do. And it might be a small amount. It's what we do. And then possibly that moves to governments and corporations. But what's interesting in all of this is that one of the biggest issues of our time, your, mine, our children, our children's children, in the future is people have lost entirely the word trust. So people don't trust what governments say anymore. People do not trust what corporations are saying anymore. And people actually are starting to not really trust each other anymore. 
So we've got to try and find in all of this to re-inspire some trust. It's crucial without trust in my world. If I don't trust people out there when it's minus 40 and you, you know, you're in a survival situation, if you don't trust each other, you don't come home. No, exactly. So yeah. One of the things through what you're doing and what the station's doing and anybody listening's doing is we have to re-inspire trust. And again, trust starts with us. If you don't trust yourself, who the hell's going to trust you? It's complex, but we've got to keep making those steady steps in the right direction, I absolutely. think. Absolutely. And I think you're right that it'll only really come home to roost when people personally suffer the effects of the cumulative effects of what we have all been doing for the last 150 years. Correct. Pumping out CO2 into the atmosphere. You were interviewing... Um, a chap in Singapore not so long ago, and you were talking about the government there building walls to keep the sea out. But yeah. there's only so much you can do before nations go underwater, islands are lost, even London. That's not going to be immune to the rising tides, is it? No, of course it won't be. It, it, all these things are happening, but they're not affecting us. That, you know, I can get on the telephone, I can fly on an aeroplane to Australia tomorrow morning, and the plane might be delayed for 30 minutes, and I, I don't care, but I can still, I can still fly to Australia, I can still run a life, I can still go to the shops and buy food, and in a very comfortable country like the United States, it, it, it's all very easy. Nothing's, nothing's really affecting how we live our lives. However, there are things starting to happen which are showing us that if we don't get our act together, it will affect us, like the forest fires in Australia, like I live in California, and every year the fires get worse and worse and worse, and they're starting to really affect people. Mm. And it's not just poor people in Bangladesh that are swimming, it's, it's people actually being affected. So every year, people are more and more and more going to be affected. Look at Cape Town in South Africa, one of the first cities, big cities, that nearly, nearly ran out of water. Mexico City could run out of water. So these things are creeping up slowly, and you're absolutely right. People will only act if they're personally affected or threatened and thank god not all of us yet are personally affected or threatened but we will be one day a lot of us yeah. so um that's why you know a, a good survivor in life doesn't wait until the problem hits you because then it might be too late you try and stop those things happening as best you can and uh, and be inspirational. I can't solve all the problems, Ruth, but if one does one's best and tries hard and keeps it reasonably simple for people, maybe one can have some effect in a small way. That That's all that one can do. I remember when we were on our expedition to Antarctica, which was, by the way, the most life-changing, extraordinary, wonderful experience I've ever had and probably ever likely to have. And I remember you said, when you get to wherever it is we're going, go and find a space on your own and sit and feel and look and take in Antarctica and listen to what Antarctica is telling you. And I sat there and I was just overwhelmed with the beauty and the awe of the place. It, it is a personality all on its own. 
and it's a powerful, powerful presence. And when I sat and listened, what came to my head was, don't take me for granted. And that stayed with me for ever since then. And I think the danger is that that's what exactly we are doing. We're taking our planet for granted. And we're going to pay the price. No, 100%. You know, if you had to pay for the resources that our planet gives all of us, free air, um, water, all the things. If you you were on Mars and you had to pay for clean air, clean water, it would cost a huge amount of money. (laughs) And so we have to actually start to think, okay, we're going into the red. It's like having a bank account and we've, we've gone into the red. But I think what's important and what you just said is important is that each of us can get that into our heads and say okay well what can we do so what matters to me really is that all over the world right now there are possibly people talking as you and I are talking now and hopefully a few people might be listening to what we're talking about now but this can't just be entertainment it can't be just a story I hope that people at the end of this will actually say okay fine you know Rob might be a bit strange, but he's got a point there somewhere. And they do actually go on climateforce.com and see five things that they could do today that they could actually say, okay, fine, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do more. If I go on an aeroplane, I'm going to plant a tree. I'm going to make a damn effort. And if millions of people make those small efforts That's a huge step in the right direction. And that's what counts. It's actually to do now with action, not words. We, we all know the problem. Now it, it's, it's a question of saying, okay, what can I do? Do I have a solar panel somewhere in my life? Even if it's charging my telephone, I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to do this and I'm going to save some resources. I'm going to, if I travel or lucky enough to travel, I'm going to make sure I clean up. And I think that's a good word, Ruth. It's a word I've learned recently that people talk in terms of offsetting Mm-hmm. fine but you know you're a mother if a child makes a mess at home you're not going to sort of look at it and say oh great you know somebody else is going to clean it up you know you and your child and you you say right okay let's clean this up and Correct. we're making yeah. a mess of our world and we need to clean it up and there's some fantastic unbelievable things that are happening on the journey that i nearly just made i remember i was out there for 30 days and we were testing out extraordinary things, Ruth, things that are so hopeful and so inspirational. We have, obviously, to have uh, energy to melt ice, to cook, to eat, to survive, to drink water. Yeah. And I, ha- I had fuel out there, which uh, just incredible stuff that uh, we had fuel made from CO2, dirt from our atmosphere, dirt that we put into the atmosphere, sucked out of the atmosphere and made into fuel. We had fuel made, wait for it, from recycled plastic bottles from landfills in the middle of Mexico. That plastic came out of the landfill, made into fuel. I was burning that fuel totally renewable we've had we had fuel made from garbage everybody chucks garbage into mm-hmm. their dustbin every day we had fuel made from that from a company actually in the north of england so garbage and rubbish that you throw away made into fuel we had fuel made Fantastic. from all kinds of amazing things our 
equipment was made of recycled plastic bottles from rivers in Indonesia. You know, there is hope. These yeah. things do exist. And I think okay. one of the things we can do as people is to support some of those people who are starting to bring these things to market. You know, I have a backpack that's entirely made of recycled plastic bottles. They exist. Those yep. things exist. So I think we could use the money that we spend and spend it on products and services that are doing the right thing. And that's what Barney's Climate Force is all about. Fantastic. So to sum up, five things that somebody listening now could do, what would you say they should do? Well, I think first thing is that please go and have a look at Barney's website, climateforceoneword.com. What am I doing with my energy? So do I have any solar panels at all in my life? Do I have a solar panel that's charging my phone? Do I have solar panels on my house? Try and see whether you can get some solar somewhere in your life. Two is that most of us have some sort of heating system or cooling system in our house. Obviously, not particularly necessary in the UK, but in hot countries, you know, cooling in the summer, heating in the winter. Just say, okay, let's wear a jersey and not walk around in our underpants in the middle of winter and knock down the degrees of heating in the house by a couple of degrees. And in the summer, don't have it blasting out freezing cold air, put it up two degrees. So one's saving energy on heating uh, and cooling. When we travel anywhere, plant a tree, make a difference to clean up the impact that you're having on your travel. Just simple, easy, straightforward things that anybody can do anywhere. Most of us pay a utility bill, Ruth. It doesn't matter whether that's in the UK, in America, but you can bring up your utility today and say, can I have green energy? And that doesn't mean that it's going to come from solar panel outside your house or a wind turbine next to your house, but companies, utilities will give you green energy and you might have to pay two pounds extra a month to have that. Do it. So there are lots of very, very simple things that we can do and save money and do the right thing. So that's in summary, there are things you can do. Check out Barney's website and get on with it. I think that's the right approach. And it's about being conscious after all, isn't it? You know, making the right choices because we all have power in our pockets. If you have a pound in your pocket, you have the power on what you spend that pound. So reducing the packaging that you buy and buying things that will last instead of disposable yeah. things. But also looking beyond that, Rob, are you ever going to retire what what happens to 2041 after you complete your 40 miles which i've no doubt you will do to the south pole you will do that journey and then what what well, happens after that well there's 21 years to go until um the world decides on the future of the antarctic so we've got to step that up uh, i'm very pleased and happy and proud to be able to work with barney my son my mother gave me lots of good advice as uh, a young man and said to me you know, never force your children to do the things that you want them to do. Wait for them to decide what they want to do. And I'm very proud that Barney and I, as father and son, are working together on these issues. So the future is the next 21 years, make sure that we have the sense to leave Antarctica alone. And in 21 years time, when I'm sort of 80 something, you know, I'll be handing all that I have and all that I've tried to do 
over to Barney and possibly even his children. And so it goes on. But I don't think I'm a retiring type, Ruth. I think you know me well enough. But <laughs> I don't I, think I, so. <laughs> I, I don't think I will. But, you know, I think we have a responsibility and the basis of that responsibility is to give people inspiration and hope and things they can do, not switch people off. I think that's incredibly good advice. And I think you're very lucky, actually, Rob, because if your mum is still kicking around, she is full of good advice and uh, incredible wisdom. I'm glad she passed some of it on to you. <laughs> some of it. I'm still working on it, Ruth. <laughs> Wait, listen, we're all a, a work in progress. None of us are the finished article. If we were, it would be a sad world, wouldn't it? It certainly would, yeah. And, um, you know, I wish you all the very best of luck with Inspire Radio. And I think it's a great name. And I'm really proud that you're part of it. And you're doing a great job with that. It's such an important thing. And I wish you all and the team the best of luck. And any of the listeners who are listening to us today, Good luck to you all too. Make sure you don't forget your dreams. That's an important thing. Rob Swan, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being our special guest on Inspired Conversations on Inspire Radio. And it's been an absolute joy speaking to you. So we wish you very well in your next adventure. And uh, I hope the hip holds up. It will. Thanks, Ruth. Thank With you. inspirational Bye. guests Bye. from across the world. This is Inspire Radio. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Maybe you would like to join us as a guest on Inspire Radio. Maybe you'd like to feature on our Inspire Radio directory. If you would and you'd like to get in touch, then simply enter your details on the contact page at inspireradio.co.uk. Remember to give our Facebook page a like as well, at Inspire Radio UK. And once again, thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Inspire Radio. And have the best day you possibly can. Be happy, be inspired. With feel-good music by day, relaxing music by night, this is Inspire Radio. Be happy. Be inspired.